Welcome to the Pinocchio Project. I'm Mitch Friedman, and in my life and experience as a husband, a father, a church planter, and a university professor, I've discovered that everyday ideas about human flourishing have significant consequences. Here at the Pinocchio Project, our mission is to examine these everyday ideas and determine if they actually deliver on their promises. Hello, welcome to the Pinocchio Project. I'm Mitch Friedman, and this is a new new season for us. It's season three, but it's also a new season of our production. Uh, as you can see, uh, you can see me. And if you've been consuming the podcast in seasons one and two, uh, and we've never met before, you may have been wondering, I wonder what this guy looks like. So here I am, and now it's confirmed that I do have a face made for radio. Uh, but nevertheless, we wanted to launch into this new season uh, with video available as well. We'll have a Pinocchio Project channel on YouTube that's being set up. Uh, so that's something I want to let you know right out of the gate is uh, this is our launch for audio and video, and we will be improving the production quality uh, for the video portion as we move along. The audio portion, as always, will also be available uh, on your podcast platforms, Spotify, iTunes, etc. So you can look for the audio portion there as well. But we're excited about being here in this new season of production and presentation. And I want to say thanks to my engineer back there, uh, Tom Strickfadden. Uh, he is the one who has masterminded uh, this video production and he has a, uh, a long pedigree of great experience and training and credentials in preparing and producing uh, video presentations. So thank you, Tom. Uh, so if you are new to the Pinocchio Project, uh, welcome. And our mission here on the project is to examine everyday ideas that promise human flourishing, and we all want to flourish, uh, there are a lot of promises out there and ideas on what it means to flourish. Uh, we examine these ideas from a biblical perspective, a biblical worldview perspective, uh, to test their reliability and to prove whether or not they can reliably deliver on their promises. So, succinctly, the Pinocchio Project exists to examine everyday ideas that promise human flourishing to determine whether or not they can deliver on their promises. And once again, uh, this season three will be video and audio, and we're pumped to be able to uh, launch this new endeavor. Uh, today, as we launch season three, we're in the new year, so I want to wish you a happy new year. I hope you had a somewhat restful uh, Christmas experience. Uh, ours was fairly chaotic, as we're kind of used to with travel and kiddos and grandkiddos and uh, surrounding friends. And it was mostly a great time, a little bit exhausting. I got a little bit of rest the week between Christmas and New Year's. But I want to say uh, Happy New Year to you. And, you know, we all make sort of, uh, well, maybe we all don't. Maybe we've given up on resolutions or promises to ourselves or goals for the new year. Goal setting is great. Uh, uh, a lot of times our our resolutions are things that are fairly, I think, you know, physically uh, attuned, like I'm going to lose some weight, I'm going to get in shape, I'm going to get my finances in order. 
I'm going to get my relationships in order. Uh, those are all good things. Uh, but I want to go a little bit deeper, for, really, for several uh, podcasts here. And that's one thing I forgot to mention. Uh, we'll be moving from a twice-a-week drop uh, of the podcast and the, the YouTube presentation. Uh, now we're just going to be doing once a week, and we'll, we'll try to just drop every Monday uh, but we're going from twice a week, which is was a presentation from typically between about 15 and 22 minutes, to a once a week presentation, a little bit longer form, uh, I'd say between 30 and 35 minutes. So that's something to keep in mind. Uh, if you're looking for us, uh, as you've been consuming the podcast, if you're looking for us on Monday and Friday, uh, where you're gonna ha- we're gonna have a longer uh, form presentation on Monday only. And I'd uh, love to get your feedback. Uh, we have, we'll have some links for you to provide feedback. Love to hear from you all the time on how this new format is working. But what I want to do for these first several podcasts is launch us into the new year uh, with maybe a little more depth of understanding of what an idea of successful flourishing living it, uh, would look like uh, from a biblical perspective. And so uh, as we reset the new year, uh, I just have this 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 wish, you know, I'm wishing you and me a virtuous new year. So a virtuous new year to you. And so that may be something you haven't heard before. It, the, virtuous obviously is is uh, a derivative of the word virtue. And virtue, I think, is a word that uh, maybe is not heard uh, or understood or explained uh, very much in our cultural moment. Uh, over the past couple of decades, uh, I would off, I would offer that uh, virtue, from its classical understanding, is uh, is disappearing from our behavioral landscape as we insist on more and more autonomy. And that's something you've heard me talk about many times. If you consume the podcast on a regular basis, is that we are moving into a season of of cultural. Uh, freedom, quote unquote, and it could be argued whether or not it's freedom or slavery. Uh, so I would offer that we are in our cultural moment uh, less and less interested in what classical virtue would look like and more and more interested in personal autonomy where I have the quote freedom uh, to behave any way I feel and uh, you have to affirm my behavior uh, and my understanding of who I say I am. Uh, Virtue is kind of on the opposite end of that spectrum. Uh, Virtue is the thing uh, that that insists I behave in certain ways for my benefit and my flourishing, but also for the benefit and the flourishing of the people in my life. And it's sort of virtue is a common glue uh, around which we can all gather and feel like we're safe and feel like that we are we are affirmed in a way that is community oriented and good for the whole rather than what's good for uh, the the flourishing quote unquote of the individual so virtue i would say uh, is diminishing while a demand for autonomy is increasing and so i want to talk for several podcasts about about virtue and uh, i guess the first thing i need to do is define it uh, uh, just to summarize, as we move forward into this definition, I think our culture is moving towards a, a virtue-less uh, expression of what it means to do life well individually and collectively. Uh, we're, we're virtually virtueless 
if you will, virtually virtueless. Uh, so let me let me define virtue. Uh, virtue simply is behavior that shows high moral standards. Behavior that exhibits high moral standards. So if you're training yourself in worldview, uh, the thing that should come to mind almost immediately is uh, if there is a moral standard, uh, who is it or what is it that sets the standard? So if I'm behaving to a standard, that means that someone or something has provided uh, that bar of expectation uh, for my morality and my behavior. And so the question a biblical worldview has to ask uh, and answer well is, who sets the standard? And the understanding from a biblical perspective is, is that God, the ultimate transcendent authority, the objective truth, uh, he has set the standard for my behavior. He is the one who defines morality. It's not something that I decide internally based on, again, my feelings and my need for autonomy. I am bound to, for my own good, from a biblical perspective, we have to understand this well, for my own good and flourishing and for the flourishing of those around me, I am bound to what God says appropriate moral behavior would look like. So virtue is behavior that expresses the high moral standard that God has provided for me for my own good. He's my creator. He understands how I'm made. He understands what I'm for. And he understands that when I behave in ways that are appropriate to his standards, I experience flourishing and so do the people around me. And so what I'd like to do is I'm just going to cover today uh, one virtue of seven. Now, there has been lots of discussion uh, throughout the, the centuries about what a, a, an understandable and appropriate set of virtues are for someone who lives uh, in communion with their, their culture in order to bring about the best possible outcomes. And uh, there have been scholars across all denominations and traditions from a Christian perspective uh, trying to decide on what a common set of virtues are drawn from a biblical perspective rooted in the biblical text. And that's really the only place we want to live here on the Pinocchio project. Uh, we want to have opinions that can be defended, uh, powerfully and appropriately and accurately in the biblical text. And those are the only opinions we want because we come to understand that when my view of the world and my life and my place in it, is shaped by the biblical text that gives me the best possible uh, flourishing outcomes. So uh, I've decided on seven, uh, what I would call classical or traditional or orthodox virtues, and I've used a variety of sources. Uh, you can find them for yourselves in other places and see uh, what all kind of scholars and godly men and women over the centuries have decided on. But I've decided to use seven uh, as I'm wishing us a virtuous new year. And uh, these, these uh, virtues are going to encourage you and they're going to challenge you. Uh, about your own ideas of what it means to live well and behave well. Uh, because bad ideas about flourishing don't only come at us from the exterior, they are actually produced on the interior as well. Uh, we understand as Christians that we are still living in this, uh, this tent of flesh, uh, meaning that I'm prone to 
say yes to my sin nature, uh, my flesh, uh, and as we've talked about many times on the Pinocchio Project, uh, the characteristics of my sin nature are I want to promote myself, I want to protect myself from blame, I want to indulge my appetites outside the guardrails of moral behavior, and uh, I want to insist that my agenda succeeds over everybody else's. So uh, these virtues come against my flesh's default behaviors and inclinations and therefore challenge me to reconsider uh, the ideas that I have about my own flourishing. Uh, so the, the first, uh, and this is all we'll do for today, uh, the first virtue I want to discuss is humility, the first of seven humility. And I would offer, you could use this as I would say the baseline or the foundation point uh, from which all the other virtues uh, must rest, upon which all the other virtues must rest. Uh, humility. And there's a lot of definitions of humility. Uh, from, a, from a typical definition uh, in the biblical sense, uh, humility is defined as that by which a person has a modest estimate of his or her own worth. And modest here means uh, sort of uh, submitted, a, uh, a, a recessed view of self, uh, one that has not too high an opinion of themselves as in Roman 12, Romans 12. Uh, humility is the higher and ethical sense by which a person has a modest estimate of his or her own worth and submits themselves to others. Uh, C.S. Lewis said it this way, one of my favorite authors and maybe yours too. C.S. Lewis said, humility doesn't mean that someone thinks, thinks less of themselves, but they think of themselves less. And you know, you can wrestle with that on your own. But basically, it's, it's not an abasement. It's not a degrading of self in the way you think of yourself. It is, it is a, I don't really think about myself at all. I'm looking out for the interests of others. And that would be what I would offer as a Philippians 2 sort of recognition of humility. Uh, so again, uh, if, if God sets the standard for our ethical, moral behavior, and we are bound to that behavior for our own good and the good of others, then we understand these virtues are the practical ways that the ethics and the morals play themselves out. So humility is the first one. And uh, I saw this example here recently of humility in the wrong direction, which I would offer is just a lack of humility, uh, which I'm prone to too. You know, every, every time I'm pointing a finger outward, there's four that can, or three that can be pointed, unless I can use my thumb, but she does that. Yeah, there's at least three that point back at me. Uh, but in the headlines over the recent days has been a, uh, a representative from the state of New York representing Long Island. Uh, his name is George Santos. And I don't know if you keep up with things in the political news. Uh, I have to because I, I like to frame uh, content for the Pinocchio Project based on uh, how Americans uh, in particular uh willingly put people in office uh, that may or may not have the most virtuous uh, fabric by which they conduct uh, themselves. Uh, but Mr. Santos, I'm reading here from the New York Times uh, on December 29th of last year, which was just about a week ago. 
Mr. Santos, a Republican representative elect from Long Island, fabricated key biographical elements of his background, including misrepresentations of his professional background, educational history, and property ownership in a pattern of deception that was uncovered by the New York Times. He even misrepresented his Jewish heritage. Now, this is interesting to me because I am a Jew. Uh, I can't misrepresent my Jewish heritage. Uh, I am Jewish. And when I, when I looked into this particular charge of misrepresentation closer, uh, what Mr. Santos said to defend himself was, I didn't say I was Jewish. I said I was Jew-ish, like Mitch would say, uh, <laughs> He's old-ish. Uh, and so you may think uh, that this needs to be massaged a bit in order to fit into a lack of humility. Uh, I would say that it actually uh, represents clearly a lack of humility. Uh, anytime uh, a human being, anytime I am tempted to misrepresent myself to others, I am clearly wanting to elevate myself in their eyes in order to be seen as someone higher or better or more qualified than I actually am. So this, these kinds of deceptions indicate and portray a lack of humility, which I would, in a way, if I was to be, as a political candidate, I would, I would think that I wanted to be as upfront and transparent as possible, knowing that in this age of, uh, of media scrutiny, uh, whether or not I was doing it from a lack of integrity or forgetfulness, if I was to misrepresent myself, it would be caught immediately. Uh, and that would be a motivation for me to represent myself well uh, at the baseline, if I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, the only motivation I need is to be someone that can lay themselves open to be evaluated plainly and clearly uh, without having to, again, ensure my agenda succeeds by misrepresenting myself or promoting myself by telling lies or creating deceptions. And so Mr. Santos, uh, in the very present day, is a stark example of someone who is virtually virtueless in the area of humility. Uh, but again, before I cast stones at Mr. Santos, I need to check my own heart and my own propensities to elevate myself in the eyes of others. And that might be a good consideration for you out there consuming the Pinocchio Project as well. How would you say you're doing in the area of this moral behavior of laying yourself open, not needing to elevate yourself, not needing to promote yourself, not needing to in insist through means of deception or otherwise immoral ways that your agenda succeeds. Uh, the New York Times also has let us know that uh, unfortunately, when it comes to political candidates misrepresenting themselves by padding their resumes, uh, Mr. Santos is in good company. And this might be interesting to you uh, because it has very contemporary presidential implications. So 
our president, our current president, Joe Biden, uh, in his uh, failed run for the presidency uh, in the 1988 election, uh, was busted in the year before in 1987 uh, for grossly misrepresenting himself. Uh, and when he was caught, he actually went on the defensive and tried to deny it and got really angry with people who were honestly confronting him with his misrepresentations. And you can research it for your, uh, on your own. Uh, you can just search Joe Biden's misrepresentations in 1987. And this was something I was unaware of. I mean, I'm old enough to have lived through that cycle. Uh, I was in my mid, it was in my early 30s in 1987 and i don't really remember much of this at all as far as uh, joe biden's run for the presidency uh but he out and out lied about many many things uh regarding his own academic prowess uh, his own performance in law school his own uh by his own uh statements of deception that he won several uh, moot court uh, competitions in law school and that he received full scholarship on academics. Uh, and what was discovered was uh, Mr. Biden had actually plagiarized uh, some, uh, some content and some credentials from a candidate over in England uh, many years before. And it's kind of, it's a, just a twisted web, really. Uh, but unfortunately, this this propensity to uh, set aside humility and self-honesty uh, and authenticity in order to elevate ourselves uh, is something that is unfortunately much too common in our political arena. And I think that says something to us and it should warn us about how we vet the people we vote for. And we've said this before on the Pinocchio Project. Uh, we're not necessarily party oriented to the core uh, we are values oriented and those values must include express virtues uh, in order to be confident that the people we're putting in office uh, represent a biblical framework as much as possible uh, when it comes to making policy that promotes human flourishing and so uh, I don't know how long this has gone uh, since it might be a little bit short today but that's fine uh, I wanted to introduce the video format and and take us through this this what I would call happy virtuous new year to you and give you an opportunity to examine for yourself uh, as we move through these virtues in the coming weeks uh, what it looks like for you to be able to identify ideas that lack virtue and to be able to look internally at ideas you may be continually behaving in uh, that need to be adjusted in order to live a life that's pleasing to the one who has given us a transcendent set, uh, a universal set, a changeless set of values and virtues so that we may experience flourishing uh, in the best possible outcomes, not only for ourselves, but communicate those in the relationships that we have. So for the Pinocchio Project... This is Mitch Friedman, signing off. Thanks so much for listening. If this podcast has value for you, we have new episodes dropping each Monday and Friday. Please follow or subscribe, share, and give us a five-star review. 
And if you have an everyday idea you would like to submit for us to examine, just hit the links in the show notes below. And remember, ideas have consequences.